Lord, I know tonight that I can't speak this word without your Holy Spirit. I know that the word I speak will just fall to the ground if it's not quickened by your Spirit. Lord, some of us come to this house with bruised and broken hearts. Others come with all manner of concern about their families and their finances. Some have looked at their own heart and been broken by what they've seen. Lord, I come tonight and just plead your blood over the National Prayer Chapel, over the radio ministry. Lord, you've called this church forth. You've called for the radio ministry. Lord, I don't see any way through, but my eyes are on you tonight. And my eyes are on my brothers and sisters to walk together with them and not to be separate. Lord, teach us about this tonight. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Two roads to holiness. There is a narrow gate. We enter into the kingdom of God through that narrow gate. But there are two narrow gates. There are two paths toward holiness. One path appears to be the heavenly path, but it then takes us down into the darkness and into destruction. The other path is not in any way pleasing to our flesh, and it leads to the heavenly home. And it takes a discerning spirit within our hearts to know the difference between these two paths to holiness, to heaven. Because only one path will take us there. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the righteous people of that culture. They were the ones who obeyed the law. They were the ones who kept all of the old covenant faithfully in the minutest details. You remember the Apostle Paul said, I was faultless in regard to the law. I was blameless in the keeping of the law. 
but now I count it all as rubbish. Jesus is saying that unless our righteousness exceed that of these Pharisees that totally keep the law, we cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So now we have the two gates. We have the gate of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have the gate of the Pharisees. Now the Pharisee gate we learn much about by identifying the definition of the word Pharisee. It literally means separatist. To separate. But weren't we also told by Jesus to come out of the world and to be separate? And so both of these paths demand separation. The path of the Pharisee demands that I cut off everything that does not lead me toward the perfect, pure obedience to God. And the path of Jesus Christ demands that I go to the cross and die and be born again. We learn more about the Pharisees and their path of righteousness. When we look at, for example, and you may want to jot some of these passages of Scripture down, Matthew 9.11, where the Pharisees come and say, why are you eating with sinners? Or in this particular passage, it's dealing with Matthew. You remember Matthew was the tax collector. And Jesus was willing to go and sit down and eat with this tax collector. The Pharisees saw him and they said, why are you eating with this sinner? You see, one of the principles of the Pharisee path that looks so similar to the path of God, to the path of Jesus Christ, is that we have to be separate and be pure. Now the Pharisee says, I'm going to cut myself off from you. Because if I'm with you, I'm going to become impure. And so I'm cutting myself off from you so I can be pure before God. Because all I have to answer to is the law. To God. The path over here, on the other hand, that Jesus walks, says to the unclean, can I come and eat with you? Can I come in fellowship with you? No separation, no arrogance. The whole heart of the path of Jesus Christ is to fellowship with saints who are humble and with sinners. He fellowshiped with his disciples. He fellowshiped with the lepers. He fellowshiped with the prostitutes. He fellowshiped with the sinners. The Pharisee would never do that because by doing so, they risk becoming impure. And they couldn't risk that because that would mean before the law, they would be condemned and they wouldn't be able to enter in to the kingdom of God. Remember, the Pharisees are looking for Messiah. They're looking for Messiah. And so they have to be clean when Messiah comes. And the way the Pharisee path says you get clean is you avoid everybody and everything that might contaminate you. 
path of Jesus, he just goes and sits down in the middle of all the slop. They accused him of being a drunkard, a wine-bibber. They accused him of being a party man, a glutton. They said, why aren't your disciples fasting? We're supposed to be fasting. He said, my disciples will fast after I'm gone, but not now. The bridegroom's here. Now, I want to, I want to develop this a little further because tonight I want you to see the part of your heart that's been a Pharisee. Because part of my heart's been very pharisaical. I want to tell you how. There was a man by the name of Keith Miller. He wrote a book entitled The Taste of New Wine. I went to a conference where Keith was speaking. He was a national speaker, a Presbyterian. The Lord opened an opportunity for me to have some time to fellowship with this man. And as we fellowshiped, he was so caught in our conversation. He said, Ray, would you mind driving me to the airport? Now, this was in Atlanta, and the airport in Atlanta is way out. We were downtown. I said, Keith, I'd love to drive you to the airport. So as we were riding together toward the airport, he said to me, now, now Ray, there's some things I wanted to say to you. That's why I wanted you to drive me to the airport. Well, my heart started to beat. I didn't want this man to say anything personal to me. I wanted to ask him questions. I didn't want him asking me questions. He said to me, Ray, you're very wooden in the way you express yourself. He said, you have this relationship with Jesus, and you think that's all you need. You think that if your relationship with Jesus is all right, you don't need me as your brother. You didn't like the conference very much, did you? Because the whole conference was about how to be brothers and sisters together in Christ. I said, it was painful. He said, is that all you can say? It was painful. You see, Ray, you mask how you feel. And you're not going to progress very far in ministry until you let this wall down. You have much to offer. Would you let the wall down? Well, needless to say, I blew Keith off. I said, I have Jesus and that's all I need. And I went on down the road. It wasn't until much later, sitting in front of a congregation with hundreds, that a dear woman got up out of her seat during the giving of gifts and came up and knelt in front of me, not realizing that my mic was live, and began to confront me with the way I was withholding myself from them in friendship. And the dam burst in my heart. Now, if I were to ask you today, am I, am I wooden in the way I speak? You say, no. By the grace of God, I was a Pharisee. I was trying to do everything right. I had a relationship with Jesus, and I didn't need anybody else. Thank you. They were too painful to be around. 
And so I held him at a distance. Everybody, I held at a distance. That Pharisee spirit has to be dealt with because it's a demonic spirit. It's a twisted spirit. It makes it so that when I have a cry in my heart, I have to go in the closet and cry by myself, and I can't call a brother and say, would you just walk with me? Would you pray for me? Oh, I can say, hey, Kevin, pray for me. Oh, we all want to be prayed for in our secret hidden place where we don't have to confess any sin or be vulnerable, where we can be isolated, where we can be to ourselves. Oh, I tell you tonight, I've lived there. I can't live there anymore. Because the path of Jesus Christ calls me to be transparent, and it calls me to need you as my brothers and sisters. It no longer allows the Christian the luxury of cutting off and living in a box by myself, saying, I have Jesus, I don't need you. That's sin against God. And which of us hasn't done it? Which of us hasn't done it? But I don't want you to take my word for this tonight. I want to show you the scriptures that say this. Now, just a word about the scriptures, please. What does the word Bible mean? What does the word Bible mean? Book, collection of books. Hmm? What does the word scripture mean? A record. Scripture means literally a record. There are unholy scriptures, and there are holy scriptures. Holy scriptures are the revealed word of God as God acts in history, and those events are recorded. That is called holy scripture or holy writ. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important because part of what the Pharisees do is they search the Scriptures. They search the Scriptures, thinking that in them they will find life. That's what the Word of God says. They search the Scriptures, thinking that in them they will find life. John, the fifth chapter, verse 39 you diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept the praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. So, the Pharisee can search the Scriptures to learn how to be pure. And Jesus is saying to them, you search the scriptures, but they speak about me. Now, here's the mistake we've made in the modern church. We have said that this is the word of God, meaning it is Jesus. This is not Jesus. 
The Bible is not Jesus. The Bible speaks about Jesus. The Bible is inspired. I believe in the original autographs without mistake. I believe in the infallible word of the living God. But this book is not Jesus. It speaks about Jesus. And so if we study this book to learn how to be righteous and to learn how to be pure and refuse to know Jesus because we don't have love in our hearts, the search is in vain. The search is in vain. This is a record. Now, we speak about this in terms of eating the body of Jesus, and we say, read the Scriptures. That's an eating of the body of Jesus. That's not because this book is the body of Jesus. It's not. It's sacred. It has awesome power and authority but it's not Jesus. My Jesus is the risen Lord, the King of Kings, the master of the universe. He is not words. He's a person. This is the record of the revelation of that person. And so when we search the scriptures, we have to be subject to the record of the scriptures as they point us to Jesus. But if they point us to Jesus and cut off our brothers, we're playing a pharisaical game. And that demon power is now beginning to take advantage of our heart where we have been hurt in the past and we've said, because I've been so badly hurt, I'm not going to open up and be vulnerable again. I'm going to separate and be by myself. That comes out of hurt. It comes out of arrogance. It comes out of pride, spiritual pride. And it casts us into the camp of the Pharisee. And the end leads to destruction. Now let's look at the scriptures together. I want you to follow with me. We're going to look at several passages in John, the 13th chapter Verse 34, Jesus is speaking. I'll wait for you while you turn. I want you to actually see these scriptures. I want you to read them and understand them because this is what the Word of God, the record of revelation that corrects and challenges and instructs us about how to be with Jesus. And this is what he says. John 13, beginning in verse 34. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now please, would you hear this word of God? The world will not know that we are Christians or followers of Jesus by our purity from the world. We are identified as followers of Jesus by the world, by the love we have and show and demonstrate one for another. The Pharisee says the world's going to know who we are because we cut them off. We separate ourselves from this world, and we're pure and you're dirty. But the path of Jesus says, 
Now let's come sit down with Matthew, the tax collector. Let's have dinner with Zacchaeus. Let's let Mary come in. Mary of Magdala. Let's let Mary come in. And let's let her cry over the feet of Jesus. And let's let her touch Jesus. And let's let her express the fullness of her love for the forgiveness she's been granted. And what's the Pharisee say? The Pharisee says, Jesus, if you knew who that woman was, you wouldn't let her touch you. She is not pure. She's unclean. Oh, I want you to see graphically tonight the difference between the path of the Pharisee and the path of Jesus Christ. And the Pharisee will always say, I know I'm right. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I have Jesus, but I'm separate from you because I might be made unclean with you. We've got to see these two because you and I are going to have to deal with our own pharisaical spirit of cutting other people off and separating because they don't measure up to our expectations. You know, one of the great concerns today that's being spoken quietly across this country, race wars are coming to America. And right now, the wealthy white suburbs of Atlanta want to secede because there are people of color who are poor in tenements, and they don't want their tax dollars going to help those people in their schools. And so they are now ripping the county apart. The Board of Supervisors has voted in favor because they want to separate the races. I want to tell you tonight, there has to be a demonstration in the mighty name of Jesus that there is no race issue that can touch the body of Jesus Christ. The answer to the race war is recognizing that we are of the race of Jesus Christ. You're not black or white or yellow or red. You're like Jesus, the blood. You're red in Jesus. You see, our culture is more and more going to be torn apart politically. That's why you don't hear me preaching about politics. You don't hear me coming up here and saying, Bush is a no-good bum, or Bush is the greatest thing that ever happened, and we need to go to war. You don't hear me talk about any of those issues. You know why? Because I don't care about any of those issues. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. This isn't my home. My home's on the other side. And the path of Jesus has to be lifted up. And the path of the Pharisee has to be identified in our hearts. And there has to be a casting down of the temptation to enter into that path and judge my brother or my sister. And when we meet a Pharisee, you know what we have to do? Look in their face and recognize ourselves. <laughs> and cast no stones, but with arms of love, reach out and confront and love and speak with mercy, recognizing that all of us have walked as Pharisees.
Now, I don't like to say that, but it's true. I want you to look with me at another passage of Scripture. John, the 15th chapter, will begin reading with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Love each other like I've loved you. How has Jesus loved you? Oh, he has loved me beyond measure. Always faithful, always kind, but always straight and honest. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. In other words, he's saying, look, if you love like I have loved you, then you're a part of my heart. But if you separate yourself and become a Pharisee, you have broken my commandments. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Indeed, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Talk about transparency. Jesus is not being hidden with us. He's opening his heart to us. And he's saying, now you open your hearts to each other and you'll learn about me. We'll get to that passage in just a minute. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. I want you to look with me at one more passage. 1 John, the third chapter. 1 John, the third chapter. We'll begin reading at verse 14. 1 John. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Isn't that interesting? You don't know that you've passed from death to life because you've left all your sin. You don't know you've passed from life to death because you're pure. You know you've passed from life to death because you love your brother. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates, and that word literally in the Greek can also mean indifferent. Disregard. Anyone who is indifferent or disregards his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murder has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and see his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. 
This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. Do you understand? He's saying, if you want from me what you ask, you have to love your brother. You have to not only love your brother, you have to sacrifice your life for your brother, and you can't cut your brother off. See, this is totally against the pharisaical path. They looked a little bit alike as they began. You have to separate yourself from the world. You have to, to die. Oh, but very quickly you learn the difference. The path of Jesus Christ is not an isolated, lonely path. It's a path in fellowship with the people of God. You know, tonight as I stand here, I'm rejoicing with a Pakistani brother who was just released from prison where he had been unjustly incarcerated, where he suffered intense persecution, almost died in that Pakistani jail. Tonight he's a free man. He's at a hospital receiving care. Christians intervened on his behalf with the government and threw out the judgment of life sentence in jail for desecrating the Quran. I praise God for that. Tonight, while I stand in front of you, my heart is weeping for the Christians of North Korea who are suffering and dying. You talk about a time of trouble. Tell the North Koreans that the time of trouble is in the future. No, for them it's tonight. A dear woman going to do her wash a poor woman going to do her wash out in an open source of water, leaned over, and a Bible dropped out of her blouse. She quickly picked it up and put it back. But one of the women saw it and reported her. They came right there and shot her in the head, killed her, executed her. That's the penalty in North Korea for having a Bible. See, my heart goes out to that dear sister and her family. See, when we come into Jesus Christ, we don't cut one another off. We walk in fellowship with one another. We pray for one another. We give our lives for one another. You see, the pharisaical spirit wants to be concerned about their relationship to God and exclude the brothers and sisters or judge them as impure. And this has to stop in this fellowship. The withholding of our love has to stop in this fellowship. The thinking that Jesus is enough for me has to be put down in this fellowship. Because Jesus says, the way I love my brother is also the way I love Jesus. Verse 23, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his command live in him and he in them. 
And this is how we know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us, the spirit of love that he has given us. If there is no spirit of love, there is no Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, by definition, is love, giving up of all that we have for one another, ministering to one another, accepting and calling one another to go deeper into Jesus Christ. This is what, this is what it's all about. Now, chapter 4 says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Now let's be clear, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord means that I have to acknowledge that I must love you as my brother and my sister, that I must love that publican who is sitting as a tax collector, I must love that prostitute, I have to love every person and allow that love to pour out of me for their redemption. There is not anything in the scripture about separating myself from my brothers and sisters or separating myself from the world in a way that causes the testimony of Jesus to be brought into disrepute and dishonor by my own pride and my own arrogance. And so when I look at a brother or sister and I see that that brother or sister are doing things that I don't approve of, if I judge them in my heart and I withdraw from them and I say, okay, you live over there, Miss Sultana, and I'll live over here. I'll love you while you're over there. You love me while I'm over here. Oh, I tell you what, my dad, he went to a church one time. He'd been asked to go there to speak. And when he came home, we all said, daddy, tell us about the church. He said, I had a hard time today. And we said, why? He said, because I didn't bring any ice skates to go down the middle aisle. I said, Daddy, why did you need ice skates in the church? He said, because it was so cold in there. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's time to warm up in the church. It's time to warm up in the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to stop standing off by ourselves. And saying, okay, I love Jesus. Jesus is all I need. I've got my deal going. I don't need you. What a lie from hell. You know, when I've seen the growth happen in our hearts in this fellowship, when we've been willing to be honest about who we are and what's going on, even if it means we weep as we share it, and brothers and sisters come around and pray over one another. And we stand together for victory by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I tell you what, when we begin to live this out, the world is going to hammer our door in because what they want is to be loved and not to be judged. They get judgment every day in their job. 
They get judgment every day by their families. They get judgment constantly from the world. Now they want a place where they can go and be honest and be loved. That's what I need. That's what I need. I think that's what you need too. It's time for the pharisaical spirit to be put away. And you understand what drives the pharisaical spirit? Pride. 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 Just pride. I'm doing okay, thank you very much. I don't need anything from you. Oh, what sin against God. You remember that famous old parable about about hell? Everybody was chained to the table, and there was a beautiful banquet, and everybody's arms were stiff. They couldn't bend their arms. And they had these spoons, but with their arm, they couldn't reach their mouth. So they were starving. But then heaven, they're sitting at the table. Their arms are stiff. They're feeding each other. They're feeding each other. We have a lot of stiff arms in the house. And it's time to minister to each other and not withhold our love, not get lost in Phariseeism, not get lost in self-sufficiency, not get lost in pride. I ask you tonight to search your heart regarding these issues. And may the love of God be with us. O Lord, I stand tonight convicted of my Phariseeism. How quickly I can judge a brother or sister and choose out of arrogance or fear to separate myself and say, I have Jesus, I don't need you. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. By the blood, would you change our hearts and teach us how to walk as brothers and sisters? Lord, this is a walk I don't know how to make, and I'm afraid of it. Teach us, O Jesus, how to walk as Christians. I pray in your holy name. Amen.